Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Burning Questions podcast. This episode is hosted by Mel Iko and me, Matt Zwicker. Today, the conversation continues with two questions on how can educators create environments to help students be more proactive? This was a really fun episode to record. So before we dive in, check out the show notes on how you can join the conversation in today's episode of Burning Questions. Hello, everyone. Welcome to, I believe it, we're in episode three now, right? We are in episode three. Episode three of Burning Questions podcast of the burning questions podcast the one and only burning questions podcast the one and only well technically there's i don't know five other burning questions podcasts for businesses and things like this but we are the burning questions podcast Mm -hmm. the burning questions podcast mel how are you doing you know i'm doing pretty good doing pretty good um i have a four-day weekend i don't know for those of you who don't know i work at a paivakoti which is a daycare here in finland and kempele which is like a hour south of where I am right now, which is the university where we record. Mm-hmm. And it's Easter. So I got a four-day weekend. It's lit. And you get paid for it. Lucky and, you. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I get paid. Paid holiday, even though I only work part-time. Um, I'm sure for the EU listeners, it's like, oh, yeah, of course. But for all of our... <laughs> all of our... Uh, all of our people from the United States, uh, that's... Uh, wow. That's a, that's a deal. It's a rarity. Absolutely. A rarity. So you must like your four-day weekend coming up. Uh, yeah. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. I'm really looking forward to it because it'll give me some time to finally catch up on my thesis. Actually. Oh, no. You should take a vacation, man. Uh, I mean, I say that every weekend. Which so. <laughs> is why I need to work on my thesis. Oh, man. Okay. That, okay. Hey, but did you hear that? Uh, well, I don't know if... LET students get it, but at least Edglows, we get an extension now on our thesis submission from May 19th, and now it's extended to July 31st. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to bring that up in the next seminar meeting. Please do. I would think that would be the same for you. Yeah, I'll hope so. But if it is extended, bro, take your four-day weekend, enjoy it, go somewhere. Yeah, like outside. You know, I've, I just realized also, I'm speaking about the outside, every single episode opening, we've talked about the weather. Have we? Yeah. Oh. Even though, like, even though I thought it was weird at first, now I feel like we have to talk about the weather. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm looking, I'm looking outside now, and actually, it's a beautiful day. It's blue sky. Now I feel like, like this is very superficial. <laughs> it's a beautiful blue. Sky. No, but it is really beautiful uh, blue sky today. Sunny. Um, I'm. I've been in shorts and flip flops for the past week. Wow, yeah. You are looking, like compared to my outfit right now, you are looking very, very chill. <laughs> I have my Hawaiian t-shirt on from the Pu'uhonu'ohono now cultural festival in 2018. Shout out. Shout out, exactly. Uh, shorts on, white flip-flops that I got at um, Blue Lagoon, Iceland. They're free, so I didn't steal them. So. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, thanks. Whereas you, you are all fancy. Oh, yeah. I, it was, uh, let's see, we had a costume day at... The daycare costume day because yeah. of Easter, I guess so. There was a lot of a lot of my coworkers dressed up as witches, which is I guess is more traditional thing to dress up as. It is, yeah. Uh, for Easter, for mm-hmm. all the Finns. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I don't have a wit. You know, I don't, I don't have that costume or any really costumes at all. Um, but I was thinking to myself, well, I like swing dance. 
this is what I would wear during swing dance. So I would just, you know, throw <laughs> it on and this is my costume. So. Bringing up the Roaring Twenties Mel. Yeah, I'm trying. There's, I mean, I'm just, for those of you who don't know, I'm rocking the white, I'm just, just a white button up and a plaid tie. Trying to look super, super cool for the kids. But you know what's also super cool? Burning questions, the ones that we have this week, well, technically they're not cool. They're more hot. Oh, very, very hot. <laughs> so, yeah, let's dive into them. I know that these questions come from our website. Um, thank you for those of you who have checked out our website and who are using that uh, to engage with us in the content, um, both on the website and also on our Instagram. Yeah, uh, and the questions actually come from the one and only Josh Fulton, my homie. Shout out to the 707. Keep it real. <laughs> Back in Cali. Very nice. <laughs> wow, I can't believe I said that. But yeah, I'm shouting out the 707. Um, yeah, so his two questions, uh, which were follow-ups from what we talked about all the way back in episode one, which really seems like yesterday. Um, his first question, how do we as educators help and empower students to be able to be proactive about their education? And the second question, if students are not able to be proactive, how do educators create an environment where students can become proactive? And he's kind of responding to what we talked about in the first episode. Uh, I highly encourage all of you, if you haven't listened to it, to go listen to it. It should be uh, you know, available to listen to on Spotify and your favorite podcast streaming service. Um, but we talked about how we can be, uh, how students can be more, I guess, have, have more agency mm -hmm. in their education. And he's kind of responding to this idea of like, well, if the students, you know, don't have the energy to do it, then what do you do from there? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I like how you ask those two at once because they kind of go hand in hand. How do you enable students to be able to be proactive. And I think the second one was, was how do you create, how do educators create that environment yeah. for proactivity in students? Well, I think, you know, just how to, how can educators do it? Just getting straight to the point. Yeah. Um, start delegating responsibility at an early stage, early on, the earliest you can, both um, in your classroom at the beginning of the school year, but also if, um, if you are an educational designer, principal, um, curriculum designer, what have you, start early on in not just kindergarten, but pre-K, their early childhood education. Ooh, yeah, start okay. delegating responsibility early on. Then I would say maybe secondly, give students opportunities for decision-making. Um, both, well, starting from low risk and going to high risk decision-making opportunities. Uh, I would say give them increased student autonomy, agency, like we talked about in episode yeah. one. Yeah. And yeah, I guess all this is under, underpinning all of this is having a vision for your class, your content and your curriculum. Right, and you're a, you, you are a former teacher, so you know what you're talking about. So yeah. what, is, what exactly does that look like when you mean um, giving them, like the thing that stood out to me, giving them the low and high or in the, that kind of spectrum. Low risk, high risk. Yeah, the low risk, high risk decision making mm -hmm. or decisions mm -hmm. to make. Um, you know, what, did, what exactly does that look like? It's just basically differentiated assessments. Okay. And so allowing students to choose the forms of assessment that they want to do. So say you are a history teacher. 
Uh, I default to this because I taught history for years before coming here to Olu. Mm -hmm. um, we would have, uh, let's just say the Civil War. We're doing something on the Civil War and we're looking at the, the generals and their backgrounds, for example. Sure, yeah. Uh, just one, one tangible example. And then from this, uh, I'm allowing students to choose. You can, either, you can either write an essay, you can do a video, you can do a presentation, um, you can do a skit, uh, et cetera. And so oh, yeah. you give your students the choice to choose what form of assessment that you want to do, but you grade it equally. Okay. Yeah, for all of your students, because there's different learning styles, different temperaments um, of student ability as well. And so this would be a form of low risk decision making where the students themselves are making the decisions for their own assessment. And then in this, they can also apply their own goals to these decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what, what would a high risk uh, one, like, I guess, decision look like? Mm, high risk decision. I would say a high risk decision doesn't have to mean that there is necessarily really a large amount of risk, but there's um, a weightiness to the decision, meaning it's going to have a large impact on both them as a student, but also well, their learning and the class. So one example, uh, something that I like to do in my class as an educator is letting the students at the beginning of the year set their own classroom conduct or their own class code of conduct where the okay. students are making their own rules about what to do in class. And these ideas are being generated by the students themselves. So thus then they manage themselves um, as well. They have ownership into the process. Oh, okay. And so that's like a very, uh, that kind of reminds me of like that more of like a democratic way or like, yeah, having the, 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 the students or the people who are being taught be very much involved in the creation of the surroundings, right? Exactly. Um, which kind of, I guess it definitely is like tied to like this, when I, when I see and hear that, I think of like the democratic process, right? Of, you know, voting and whatnot. So I guess it, yeah, they get to learn about that in school. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be democratic as well. High risk can look different for different students. Mm -hmm. I just gave a classroom example, but right. um, for different students in the decision-making process, um, that's up to the educators. Yeah. I see. So the way you would say it's like, it, it's really about getting them at an early age mm -hmm. to start making decisions for themselves yes. within education. Yes, and it starts with them taking ownership. Mm -hmm. I, th I think this is maybe the key to it all. Well, we'll talk about, at least I'll talk about purpose and vision later, because that is kind of like the bedrock of proactivity. But anyways, that's more of the theoretical backing behind this. Mm -hmm. Well, how would you answer these questions? Well, when I think about the environment, I start thinking about what the classroom physically looks like. And when I'm imagining, because I've never taught myself, when I'm imagining my future classroom, I imagine in, in the beginning to have like lots of open space, um, but then throughout the year, you know, people can see all the projects that they've done to, and to like put them up on the walls and so they can not just, you know, not just to make it the classroom look good, but to, so that students can look at the work that they've done and maybe even reflect on it on a semi-regular basis because it's right there mm -hmm. on the walls. Mm -hmm. Shared appreciation where students can see their peers work and even their own work and have maybe even the side thought thinking, hey, I could do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's, yeah, it's more about the environment, like physically. I think, I guess what I'm thinking more about is like socially or what I'm thinking more about now is 
like the relationships between the student and the teacher. Um, I remember there's, I forgot who it was, maybe it was Dr. G, maybe, I'm not sure. Um, but he always began, uh, they always began the year with creating a, uh, I think it was a letter, like a friendly letter hmm. that they would send to all of their students or, yeah, I think they would, yeah, they would send a letter to all their students and have them also send a letter back to them in which they would talk about, they, they would tell the students like, I just want to get to know you, what are your interests? And they get to say like however much that they want um, or as little as they want. Um, and from there you can kind of, I, I guess from a teacher's point of view, you can uh, see what kind of a person they are um, even before they enter the classroom or you know, as you're getting to know them. But also, you're, I guess the bottom line being you want, I, I feel like I would want to have a good relationship or at least attempt to have a good relationship with all the students. That way, when they are having those, you know, those moments in their life in which things are super hard, aka right now, mm -hmm. um, and as uh, my friend pointed out, you know, sometimes students don't have the energy to go out and seek help for themselves. Um, that they know that um, this that the teachers um, will be there for them if they do reach out, um, and maybe even you know once because since uh, you know so so much about your students, you can tell when maybe things are going off or you know, when things aren't okay, then you can reach out to them as a teacher. Mm -hmm. This obviously takes a lot of work, right? Um, because you're not just, you know, it's not, I imagine uh, it's not just you know, one person you're trying to make a connection with, it's all of your students, or as many of the students as possible because in reality, you're probably not gonna connect that deeply with all of them. No. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I guess to wrap up my thought on that, um, you want to make a really good like dynamic environment in which that allows for student self-reflection and for and to yeah to create a friendly environment between the students and the teachers. And I guess also when you have when you were talking about when you're talking about the students making the rules essentially for the classroom, that's also fostering a trust between the students themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you're imagining this environment is a space of of knowing and of being known yeah. by the educator and by the students. Like the students knowing their educator and the educator knowing their students. Would you say? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I've been in classrooms just as a student myself. I remember in high school, there is such a dramatic difference in my own um, my own attitude towards learning in a classroom where a teacher. Um, is just teaching me content. It's just filling my mind with information versus mm. the classroom where the the teacher seems really invested in who I am and they use my name personally and they remember things about my life. And I think, wow, if you, you even give just two cents into my own personal life, into me as a human being, not just as your student, then my goodness, I'll go to the moon for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's about like building that trust, right? It is building that trust. I think this... This goes into to what I was wanting to talk about with these three things, purpose, vision, and being. You are listening to episode three of the Burning Questions podcast. We wanted to take a short break and thank you so much for listening to these episodes. We really love your participation. And so we ask that you would really consider 
dropping a comment, dropping a share and a follow to our podcast. Because without having your feedback, we wouldn't have any questions to continue each episode. So please share your thoughts with us anywhere you can find us at Burning Questions. This goes into to what I was wanting to talk about with these three things, purpose, vision, and being. When we talk about students having proactivity in their learning and being proactive to learn or to have their agency, to be autonomous, I think we have to look at students not just as educational actors, but as individuals, because people in general get burnout. Like if you don't have purpose, then you, you feel like life is meaningless. You feel like your job is meaningless. You wanna quit, you wanna quit your nine to five, for mm-hmm. example, because you don't have any purpose there. Students in the classroom need to have a sense of purpose to what they're learning and why they're learning it. It doesn't necessarily have to be relevant. Everything you do in class doesn't have to be relevant to their everyday life of scrolling through social media or going to the grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. But they at least have to feel like there is a sense of purpose behind what they're learning in their classroom. This goes hand in hand with vision, where the students can see that purpose being put into a long-term goal. They can see themselves following that purpose, but they can also see where it's headed to. This is why scope and sequence is so important so that students just don't get lost in the, in the forest of content from an educator saying, we're gonna learn this and this and this, but when the educator them, themselves don't have a vision for the class, the students get lost. And thus they don't feel like they wanna invest as much in education because there's no vision. And thus it feels almost pointless. And the third part about being, uh, the reason why students disconnect themselves uh, when they don't feel like there's a vision is because they don't see themselves being in that vision. They don't see themselves attaining that goal in the future or doing the thing that, that has purpose in the now, in the present, because they don't see where it's going and they don't see themselves um, in the future, or at least even attaining that. It kind of goes back to what you were saying with creating this environment where you're putting up posters around the classroom or um, things that students have done, students work around the classroom, Mm -hmm. because this would help a student look at someone else's, one of their peers work and say, hey, I could do that. In this sense, they have a vision for what they are able to do in the future. They have given themselves purpose and also place of being where they think, okay, I can be there at that level of creativity or that level Mm -hmm. of, of productivity, of creativity. You know, yeah, it's funny that you actually bring that up because now I'm imagining myself, right? You, you said imagine yourself as kind of like the student mm-hmm. and you're looking at the other stuff. But now I'm thinking, what if, what if you're kind of like me and, you're, and you see that stuff and you're just like, wow, I could never do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? What? I was just thinking like maybe that could be discouraging. Uh, I think that you should create a place. Uh, you, we use safe space so often. But I think it's the educator's job and duty to create an encouraging and a welcoming environment where everyone succeeds and where everyone succeeds together and not to feel belittled by other people's excellence. Okay. Yeah. It's a teachable opportunity. Okay. I wanted to say something about, um, because you were talking about, you know, what what they should take away um, and kind of seeing that vision and purpose. Is that, I mean, I'm looking at my notes right now. It's basically kind of what I wanted to say too. I like this idea because as a student, I hate the feeling of just wasting my time mm-hmm. in the classroom. You know what I mean? Because it was often in those 
classes with the teachers that were just dumping content on you, where it really felt like I was just wasting my time. And it just was just like, ugh. I remember, I think I remember mentioning like education feeling like pulling teeth sometimes. That's, that's the moment I'm talking about in which you're just in the classroom and uh, the teacher's talking about, I don't know, geometry. And you're thinking to yourself, I could look this all up if I really wanted to, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I could go to Khan Academy, <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. watch a few videos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what, what am I doing here? Um, which, which is why it's important to have this vision. Because um, without the purpose, then, I'm, then maybe you're just wasting people's time. Exactly. Yeah. Don't want to waste people's time. I guess that's one of the big things that I want to make sure as, as a teacher, future teacher, I don't want to waste anyone's time. Um, because I always, I always think about that because I think about the fact that, at least as a high school teacher, you're with these students for 180 days of the year, like for an hour, every, like, you know, I, I don't know the precise math, but you're there, they're there all the time on a daily basis. So why, why waste the opportunity by just, just cramming in information into their brains where they could probably learn on TikTok nowadays? Mm -hmm. um, in 15 seconds, what sometimes we teach for 40 minutes. Exactly. Oh, that's a whole, that's a whole thing. It is. Have you ever been in those classes where you felt like they just give you nothing but busy work? Yes. And you, it feels like you're pulling teeth just doing the same problem over and over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that students get depressed. or not depressed, but they lose motivation motivation instantly drops when they feel like they're doing busy work and what is busy work it's work that feels like it has no purpose yeah it feels like <laughs> honestly there's been a couple classes um which i won't mention the specific names but here in my graduate program where i felt like i was just doing busy work mm. right mm. where i just felt like i was filling out summaries and reports and I didn't feel like, or maybe, maybe that's the skill they were trying to teach me, right? The, to endure through the real life agony Sisu. of filling out reports. I don't know. I, don't... Like, I, I guess there's some truth to that, right? I guess. <laughs> Everything's a learning opportunity. Everything. That's optimistic. I guess I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> but I think it's the educator's job. It's their duty and their, what? It is their duty to make education meaningful. Mm -hmm. where the student doesn't feel like they're just filling out reports and analysis just for the sake of doing reports and analyses, but that the educator would show their students, this is what we're doing, but this is why we're doing it so we can end up here mm -hmm. in the future so that you're able to do X, Y, and Z with ABC. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm, just trying, I'm like thinking about a couple of things now. Hmm. What happens when the student doesn't agree with your vision? Oh, that's always going to happen. Always going to happen. What do you think specifically, though? Like, I'm thinking of the future student I will most definitely have who does not care about history at all. I want to teach history. It, this is a student who doesn't care about history at all, as much as I don't care about math. Sorry to all of you <laughs> people who love math. I, I don't like math. Mostly because I'm bad at it, and that's just a, that's a, whole, that's a whole chasm of thought. But I don't like math. Which is respectable. Mm -hmm. um, also, side note, I think, it's, I think it's too common to hate on math. You know what I mean? I guess so. I like math, personally. You like math? I love calculus. So much easier than pre-cal. But, but I get you. There, we all have these subjects that we just... 
sigh heavily over. Yeah, and so how do you how do you take care of those take care of those students and make sure they succeed in your classroom? Hmm. Well, my first thought is, what would you like as a math student to learn in your class, or how would you like your educator to engage you as a math student? Hmm. Wow. Now that's a hard question because we never really think about these um, these classes in a proactive sense where. Let's reimagine what we would want in our classes where we feel like we're begrudgingly getting through. It's a hard question to ask, but I think that we need to ask it as students and as educators. That's so true. I never even thought about it because I've, I've thought about asking that sort of a question mm -hmm. to my future students, but I've never thought of it if I ever asked it to myself. What would I want, as someone who does not like math, want out of my math class? I guess a sense of purpose. I will mm. never forget... Um, in my high school math algebra two first period class, it would start at what eight eighteen in the morning. Mm -hmm. If there was one That's unit, rough. yeah, rough, right? <laughs> it would, uh, yeah, with Doctor, not Doctor, he was Mister K. Mm -hmm. um, he, I'll never forget his unit. I, I don't remember what imaginary numbers are, but I remember enjoying a lot about what imaginary numbers are. Did you? Yeah, and that's like the most abstract math, I don't know, math again. This might not be the most abstract thing, <laughs> but this is just from my history-loving perspective. Imaginary numbers, even though it's like an abstract thing, was like the coolest thing to learn about. And I don't know what it was about the way that he taught it, but it was interesting. So I guess seeing, just seeing all of the problems and all of the functionalities of math in an applicable way to make more sense of it instead of just these abstract ideas even though imaginary numbers is an abstract idea it's the most abstract you can get end quote <laughs> so, so one of our listeners please explain to me in the comment section what an imaginary number is because <laughs> i don't remember at all Great. going to uh, burningq.com forward slash forums <laughs> forward slash math no. forward slash math well, I think that's maybe he has to go. What do you think with this Dr. K or Mr. K? Would you say he had passion for mathematics? You know, from what I remember, yeah. Uh, when he wasn't trying to get people to wake up in my class, he <laughs> people were falling asleep. Well, yeah. I mean, I was also falling asleep. It's first period. <laughs> oh, rough. Rough. Uh, that's right. But you remember him having passion. Yeah. Do you I'm... think that that's why you latched on to, to those imaginary numbers so much? Probably, um, yeah, I'd yeah. say so. Because yeah. he, since he was so stoked about it, I also was stoked about it. Yep, passion feeds off of passion. Mm. Uh, it's true for anything. If you have a student who hates math, who hates English, who hates history, whatever course they walk into, whatever their least desired subject is, uh, I have seen students who would hate music and I taught music as well who mm -hmm. would absolutely hate choir they think it's stupid they don't think it's it's uh, worthwhile like it has purpose mm -hmm. for example and they say oh, I have to take it because I need to get my art credit then that's the only reason why I'm here and after this year I'm done and I would say that's okay you're totally welcome here thank you so much for being here and because I love music so much I love to go over music history I love theory I love ear training and because I just evoked passion for music I saw this student and this actually happened to a few students as well but this one student in particular go throughout the first week 
the first month and say, okay, this class is dumb. And this teacher, he is really weird. And he likes music a lot, like way too much. <laughs> but then by the end of first semester, you could start to see a light bulb change because of consistent passion that I was showing. Mm -hmm. And you thought, okay, this is kind of, okay, I don't like it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like warm ups. This is not fun. But I mean, Mr. Zwicker, he's kind of fun. But then by the end of the year, Mel, listeners, I swear to you, he liked music so much and he, he himself didn't like his voice, but mm. in choir he said, Mr. Z, you know, I signed up for, for choir class next year because I like this. I, I like this class. Wow. And it changed, changed his life. Goals. Very much goals. But this is what I mean by passion feeds off of passion. Because you didn't like music, I, I really do believe that you saw a person who had passion or you didn't like math and you saw a teacher have a passion for math and you fed off that passion. Hmm. Consistent passion is key, I think, when it comes to education, whatever subject field you're teaching. Yeah, yeah. But going back to your question, you said, how do you, how do you help students who begrudgingly dislike history? Yeah, or don't agree with your vision. Don't agree with your vision. Uh, I would just say give them, give them purpose. Yeah, consistent purpose in, in why you're doing what you're doing. And to also explain your why often, hmm. rather than just letting them sit there and wallowing in their pool of disparity saying, oh my gosh, this class has no meaning. But to continue showing them the purpose behind what you're doing. That's what I would say. Okay, yeah. I feel like these, a lot of these questions, I guess I'm just asking you because you already have the experience. Mm. I myself have uh, not yet um, gone into the classroom officially, but I do look forward to it. You could at least be metacognitive and think of yourself as a teacher, as a student in your classrooms, reflect back on that. Ooh, that's a good way of thinking it. I've definitely thought about, theoretically, as a teacher in my classroom, but if I'm a student within my own classroom. Wow. Very meta. That's, that's very meta. Mm. But I think it's also highly reflective as well. And it teaches you what not to do because you can play out scenarios in your head as an educator and say, I think this would work out pretty well. But if you truly play it out and listen to the snarky responses from students mm -hmm. and you generate that into your head, that prepares you um, to find the flaws in your own vision. Okay. Yeah. Dream thinking or forward thinking, something like forward this. Forward thinking, dream thinking. Yeah. Okay. I like this, these questions. Yeah. I really do. Empowering students to be proactive. So we want them, I guess, to kind of summarize what we were talking about is essentially to, as systematically, as a system, have them start making bigger decisions at an earlier age. Yes. Um, Those four, you mean? Start delegating responsibility yeah. early on. Mm -hmm. Give students opportunities for, what was it, decision-making. Yeah. Yep. Um, increase student autonomy. Mm -hmm. and just having a clear purpose, vision for your class content and curriculum. And like you said, creating that space of being, being knowing. Being, knowing. That environment. Yeah. What were your points as well with that environment? Oh, I was, my points were about making a space that's um, dynamic, right? Something that you can see grow over time. Because I like the idea of seeing your own progression over time. Mm -hmm. And seeing others as well. Because as you said, it could be inspiring. Um, I guess, I don't know, it's... Because I, I remember, I said before, right, about like, what if, what if they... What if I look around and I don't feel like encouraged? Or maybe I feel like everyone else is better than me, but I guess that's, that's like a whole other question, mm -hmm. possibly. 
Um, but how, yeah, how would you help out that kid? Hmm. I guess the question, that question is, how do you help out that student that has like lower self-esteem? That is a whole other episode. That's a whole other episode. That is. But if you have any thoughts on that, speaking to our listeners, if you have any thoughts, uh, questions, experiences, rebuttals on anything that we're talking about or these questions that were submitted today, please do check out our Instagram and our website and tell us what you think. What would you do as an educator to increase student proactivity and to help, just like Mel said, uh, these students who feel discouraged in class? We would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I guess that's a wrap. That's a wrap. I like this episode. Really good questions from our beloved 707. Josh Fulton. Josh, shout out to you, Josh. Thank you for the questions. And we look forward to our episode coming in two weeks. We have some very or a very special guest who will join us. Uh, we're looking forward to it. So join us in that episode. Any other thoughts to Admo? You know, I was just... Uh, this might be a bit of an aside, but it's April. April showers bring May flowers. Yeah, yeah it is April. Rhyme. It's just, I don't know. This Also, a thought for the listeners, the older I get, it's just like faster time goes, while at the same time, it's like not going at all. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's weird. It's the, weird. The weeks are slow, but then you look back and the years are very fast. Yeah. It's tripping me out, man. Tripping me out. Next thing you know, you're going to be a principal. Yeah, next thing you know, I'll just be, <laughs> I'll, I'll be a history teacher, <laughs> and I'll be hating on math still. <laughs> Ooh, oh. You're going to have to be friends with uh, some, some math teachers down the hall from you. You know, maybe, maybe they could teach me about, you know, what it is about math that they love. Um, yeah. Oh, it's great for educators to go and visit um, and uh, what is it? Observe their peers. I am a, I'm such a proponent mm. of viewing your peers because your teachers in another content area might have different classroom management, might have different true like right the way they structure their own content. So yeah, go not just within your own history department or your own uh, own building per se as an educator, but mm-hmm. branch out to those different content teachers and go and observe them. Yeah. Just like we would like all of you guys at home, listeners, wherever you're listening to this podcast, to branch out and let other people know about the podcast, even if they're within education or not in education. We'd like to hear their thoughts because everyone will eventually have to deal with school at some point in their life. Absolutely. It's actually by law they have to in most countries. Most countries, yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So please share the word, um, hit that subscribe button, rate, and leave us a comment on whichever podcast platform you are listening to us. And we'll see you in the next interview episode. Farewell. See ya.